welcome to That Rooted Feeling Podcast, where I bring you high-value health information and practical tips to help you improve your lifestyle habits with a focus on plant-centered nutrition so you can achieve optimal wellness that radiates into and improves all aspects of your life, giving you that rooted feeling that you won't know until you have it. Welcome back to another week and another episode of That Rooted Feeling. I'm your host, Dr. Brooke Stubbs, a double board certified physician in lifestyle and internal medicine with a master's degree in nutrition. And today I want to talk to you about the lifestyle factors that can affect your colon cancer risk. We're going to talk mostly about nutrition, but I'll touch on some other lifestyle factors too. But the reason I want to talk about it today is because I have been running into colon cancer a lot recently. It seems like everywhere I turn, someone else is being diagnosed with this terrible cancer diagnosis. It's been in my patients. It's been in friends of mine, acquaintances, um, you know, people reaching out to me on social media saying their loved ones have been diagnosed with colon cancer And I think we're all waking up to the fact that lifestyle really does affect our cancer risk. And, you know, people are wanting to know this information. So that's why I feel really compelled to talk about it today. The scariest thing about seeing all of these cases is I'm seeing it in younger and younger people well before the recommended screening age. So, of course, there's different societies that will give you different screenings. Um, recommended screening ages, but currently the recommendation for screening for colon cancer with a colonoscopy, and, and there are other ways to screen as well, but that's the one most people know, that is age 45. And so I'm seeing these cancers pop up in people as young as their mid-20s. And that's really, really scary. And I think we owe a lot of our Western society, our culture, our eating, our stress to these earlier and earlier diagnoses. And what's really scary is some of these cases I've seen, there's no prior history. So there's no warning at all. And then all of a sudden they're having symptoms of blood in their stools and they don't know what to do. And then they're having these high stage cancers and it's it's scary. So I want to give you a little bit of insight on how we can reduce our risk of this like really terrible life altering, maybe fatal diagnosis. Um, just through nutrition and lifestyle, because our colon is right there in the crossfire of our diet. So it's no wonder that we can radically affect our risk of colon cancer by changing the foods that we eat. Okay, so first we'll just talk about what foods lower our risk of colon cancer. So what we know is that prebiotic fiber from plants actually feeds healthy gut bacteria, and those produced short-chain fatty acids like butyrate. And that stuff heals the gut, right? It lowers inflammation and it's less likely for tumors to form. So fiber is good. Fiber is found in plants, right? So we're not talking about processed foods that are made from plants. And there are many, but we're talking about whole plant foods, right? The whole fruits, the whole vegetables, the whole seed, nut, legume, uh, whole grains, And the American Institute of Cancer Research recommends getting 30 grams of dietary fiber a day as part of your eating habits to lower your cancer risk. 
And most recent reports showed that increasing your dietary fiber by 10 grams is linked to a 7% lower risk of colorectal cancer. So it's really important that we get these fiber-rich plant foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes. That's the general recommendation. Then there have been some studies that show certain vegetables like cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli have increased protection against colon cancer. I want to talk about one subset of our diet that's really important that I think a lot of us are probably missing. We all know fruits and vegetables are good for us, but whole grains is the biggest category that has shown to decrease colon cancer risk. So a 2011 meta-analysis study showed that there was a 20% reduced risk of colorectal cancer for every three servings of whole grains daily. And it continued to decrease with higher levels of intake of whole grains. To give you another stat, the American Institute of Cancer Research also shows that 90 grams of whole grains a day lowers colorectal cancer by 17%. And they also say more is better. It lowers your risk even further. What really gets me is that we have had this gluten-free craze for a long time. And Wheat is the main source of whole grains in our diet, in our Western diet. And so, yes, I agree. We have GMOs. We have glyphosate. We have things in our crop production that make some forms of processed wheat not so good for us. I totally agree. And you may actually be more sensitive to some of those things than actually gluten. So if you've ever tried to switch to rye or barley and you did okay, then you don't really have a gluten allergy. And if you think that you do, or if you think that you might be have an autoimmune reaction to it, like celiac disease, you need to be tested by your physician, right? Don't just give up gluten or give up wheat or give up, give up grains in general because they affect your belly in a, in a bad way. Go see your physician. Make sure you don't have it because your risk of lymphoma actually goes up if you have celiac disease and you are taking in gluten. So that's something to know. That's an aside from the colorectal risk. Also, as an aside, if we don't have whole grains in our diet, we're going to increase our risk of heart disease and diabetes and obesity and other things, not just colorectal cancer. So let's talk about what isn't a whole grain, and then we'll talk about what is a whole grain. So what is not a whole grain are our processed things that are made from wheat flour. So if it just says wheat flour as its first ingredient, then it isn't consistent of a whole grain. Whole wheat flour is that whole grain, and you're getting that whole grain component. However, it's still going to be processed if it's in the form of a flour. So what's even better is when you get that sprouted grain bread that's in the freezer section that is flourless, and it's made from sprouted whole grains. What's even better than that is how they come from the plant. So barley pearls, rye berries, wheat berries, oat groats, these things that actually look like a grain. You can heat them up. You can make them into a porridge, either in water or plant-based milk. You can, you know, soften them in water, in boiling water, and add them as a garnish into a salad or a bowl. These are very, very important components of our whole dietary pattern that I think that we're missing a lot of because we've been given this idea that gluten is bad and, uh, you know, wheat is really bad. And, and certainly some of the supply that we have in terms of our grains has not been great. I will give you that. But it's definitely worth 
getting on board with a really well-sourced grain. Organic, no pesticides, no preservatives, not processed. That's what I'm talking about. And note that if you haven't had grains for a long time, and you start to introduce them, you will get some discomfort, right? So you can either start at a low threshold to which your body can handle without having the right bacteria to help you digest them right away, or you can push through, right? But don't push through if there's concern that you may have celiac disease. Of course, no medical advice here. Go and see your physician. Okay, let's jump on. Let's talk about legumes because legumes have incredibly strong evidence for reducing the risk of colon cancer. They contain flavonoids that reduce tumor growth and high levels of B6, which has also been associated with reduced cancer risk. So legumes are things like beans, chickpeas, lentils, soybeans, edamame, and they're probably the best source of protein in a whole plant-based diet. And I personally get at least one serving of legumes a day. I make it an effort. I usually get them at dinner. If I'm not gonna get them at dinner, I try and get them for lunch and sometimes for breakfast, very rarely. An easy way to start getting legumes into your diet is by substituting just one serving of your animal protein a week with a serving of legumes. You can do chickpeas on your salad. You can do black beans in a taco bowl. You can do lentil soup with vegetables, lentil tacos. You can put lentils in your spaghetti sauce. I would stay away from refried beans because they generally contain lard, Um, but they are legume. (laughs) Soy also has been associated. So we talk about soybeans and edamame and soy has gotten a bad rap, but I don't want you to shy away from soy because the reason it got a bad rap was because it contains phytoestrogens, which are the isoflavones that are actually the component that helps to fight cancer. And their phytoestrogen components actually have a weaker signal than estrogen in the body, and they competitively bind to estrogen receptors. So there isn't a risk of increased breast cancer. In fact, people who eat soy products have a lower risk of breast cancer. So they have a lower risk of breast, prostate, and colon cancer. If you eat soy products, eat them consistently. If you're going to have them once a week, continue to have them once a week. That will help kind of regulate that hormone balance. So we talk about the foods, obviously, that are associated with better health are always plant foods, specifically whole grains, legumes, and soy for our colorectal cancer risk. But there are foods that are associated with increased risk of colon cancer. And guess what they are? Meat and processed foods like refined grains or sugary beverages. In January of 2018, JAMA Oncology published a study that linked red and processed meats, sugary beverages, and refined grains to gut inflammation. They showed that these were really highly inflammatory foods for the gut, and they had a 44% greater risk of developing colon cancer. That was in comparison to dark leafy vegetables and whole grains. Again, whole grains showing up as a beneficial food for reducing the risk of colon cancer. Okay. So already we know to stay away from red meat, processed meat, processed foods, sugary beverages. So then let's talk about chicken because maybe some of the studies are mixed on this. But a recent study in Frontiers showed that chicken and fish did have a slight association with increased risk of polyps. 
And dairy is a good one to talk about, but that data has been a little bit inconclusive as well. However, we know that dairy has a lot of steric acid, which has been directly associated with increased colon cancer risk. So we know that saturated fat found in animal products causes dysbiosis. And dysbiosis is an overgrowth of bad gut bacteria, right? And when we feed bad gut bacteria, they then produce cytotoxic compounds in our gut. And this creates a lot of inflammation, which is ultimately going to induce tumor progression, okay? So it's really important not only to eat the good foods, but to try and restrict the bad foods. And I know I say a lot, just add more of the good stuff. And that is in hopes that you will just overwhelm your diet with good stuff. You'll continue to want to crave more of the good stuff and that the bad stuff will fall away. You can have your vices every once in a while and get that anti-inflammatory benefit from the good stuff while just sprinkling in the bad stuff every once in a while. But we also want to try and reduce that in our minds, right? Don't try to restrict because then that has a whole nother element of craving, but try to focus more on getting more of the good stuff. Look for vegetables, look for fruits, look for nuts, look for seeds, look for legumes every single day and especially whole grains, right? So if you are trying to get each of those components in your diet a day, you'll be doing well, right? Even if you don't land on that goal every single day, if that is your focus every day, you're going to end up better than you were before. And that's going to end up pushing some of the less advantageous things out of your diet. Okay, moving on. Because it's not just food, I want to mention a couple other things quickly. Physical exercise actually is really important, not only to colon cancer risk, but to a lot of different cancers. But we see that it decreases the risk of getting colon cancer by about 15%. And then it even reduces death in patients with colorectal cancer by up to 38%. So it's really important to maintain physical activity. Sleeping is another one you may or may not have guessed, but sleeping less than six hours per night has been shown to be associated with an increased risk of colon cancer. And then another big one is alcohol. So moderate alcohol consumption increases the risk by 20%, and it increases even further if you have heavy alcohol consumption. So being mindful of alcohol consumption. I know we talk about alcohol in one whole episode, and there's some controversy whether or not alcohol may benefit in small doses. The problem is alcohol itself is a toxin. In some forms, it is accompanied by things like polyphenols and red wine, like reservatrol, that can be helpful for your health. But there are other ways to get those too, right? So I never recommend anybody start drinking if they already don't have a drinking habit. If you do have a drinking habit, just be mindful that you're not over-consuming. And I think moderation is a hard topic to discuss because it means different things for different people and it's so subjective. So if you're curious about that and your cancer risk, talk to your provider, especially if you have a history of colon cancer in your family. And again, it's all of the things that improve your overall health, right? It's not just eating right, but it's eating right and exercising and sleeping well and taking care of your stress. All of the things that promote good overall health, the things we talk about all the time, the pillars of lifestyle medicine. If it's good for one aspect of health, it's good for another aspect of health. 
So continue to work on building those lifestyle factors. Of course, the best way to build good habits is by making small changes over time so they are sustainable. I hope that this information is helpful for you. And if you think that anyone else you love could benefit from hearing this, please pass along this episode to them. And as always, if you liked this episode, please leave a five-star review. That's incredibly helpful. And don't forget to subscribe as well. You can check me out at rootedfem.com. And if you're in Austin, come and see me in my clinic. And if you want to work with me virtually, I have another round of my lifestyle wellness course coming up in late March after my kids' spring break. So be on the lookout for that and subscribe to my email newsletter at rootedfem.com to get any updates around that. I'll see you next week.